This morning we'll begin with the reading on page 8, a reading from Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land and into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way that the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. This is the word of our God, we pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It was a really awesome experience. Last week, I got to go and preach at our sister congregation in Aiken, South Carolina, as I mentioned in the children's sermon And it was perfect because it was the Holy Ministry Sunday that we're celebrating here today. And how cool that they got to have a different minister of the gospel preaching to them to, again, reiterate that it's not about the minister but the message. But we started by looking at some similarities between their pastor and me. He's a young pastor, and and we both went to the same seminary, of course, and, and we both have agreed and promised to hold to the same theology and teaching We serve in the same district, so we see each other at conferences and other things like that. I'm also a sinner, unworthy of this office, someone whose ministry would only have unraveled long ago if it weren't for the constant grace of God. Maybe that's not where you thought the similarities would go so quickly, but it's true. And when I look at myself, 
And I consider this ministry, this, this opportunity that I have to stand before you and proclaim the grace of God. I find myself thinking, who am I that I should be doing this? When I'm faced every day with the fact of my own sin and my own unworthiness, and I'm not, I know I'm not the only minister of the gospel to think that way. In fact, in the three readings we'll be considering today, one still to come, we see three ministers who wonder a similar thing. In the reading we'll have for our Bible study later, we find Paul, who calls himself, a, because he was, a blasphemer and a persecutor. As he considered his past, he wondered, who am I? In our gospel reading, we saw Matthew, a tax collector, considered by his people to be a swindler and a betrayer. And yet Jesus called him. Who am I? And now we see Moses, a man who was a convicted murderer, an outcast, someone not even recognizable as one of God's people anymore. And then when God did call him, he literally asks him, who am I? But as we zoom in on Moses this morning, it starts to make sense why he would ask such a thing. He was simply a shepherd of his father-in-law's flocks in the wilderness outside of Egypt. Endless days of herding his sheep and endless time to think back on how he messed it all up. The awesome palace that he used to live in. I'm sure memories of that came into his mind. Or maybe the frantic burial in the Egyptian sand that he had to do for the man he murdered. Or maybe that time where he tried to help his oppressed people that he didn't even grow up with. But his own would not accept him. But those were his days. Endless herding of sheep and endless memories to think on. That is, until there was a burning bush. And this was no ordinary burning bush, as Moses quickly realized that the fire went on and on and on, blazing brightly, but the branches were the same. They weren't disintegrating, they weren't growing any smaller. And he began to realize this was something bigger. And then there was the voice of God. Moses, Moses. Here I am. You can imagine that just feeling, that inadequacy that he must have felt suddenly realizing he was in the presence of God. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And can you blame him? Imagine that just the sudden presence of God right before you. That this God of his ancestors talking to him. And he's not done either. He goes on, as we heard, to, to tell him of his plan. How he's seen his people's oppression and the slavery and the suffering. And he's going to do something about it. And he's not only just going to do something, he's going to lead them to this new land, this wondrous land, this land flowing with milk and honey. And how is he going to pull it off? So now go. I am sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh. 
to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, hold on. Wait just a minute, Moses must have thought. He's just seen the creator bending the laws of creation right before him. He's just felt the weight of his holiness pressing down on him in fear. He's just heard how this is the God of every one of his great ancestors before him. Heard how he's going to save his people from perhaps the greatest civilization on earth at that time. And he's sending me? Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt when I'm me and you're God. You can definitely feel what Moses is feeling here too sometimes, can't you? Because what he's wondering is so tempting to all of us when we look to ourselves and we see our unworthiness and our sin. It's definitely tempting for ministers of the gospel too to look at self and say, no, 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 I'm, I'm far too broken for God to want me. I'm far too lazy, far too impatient, far too selfish. Fill in the blank with whatever adjective you know describes you and your imperfection too. And yet God chose me. He wants me. God must have made some mistake. But that's looking at it in the wrong way. Because notice when Moses asked God, who am I? God basically ignores that question and answers as though Moses asked, no, who are you, God? And God said, I will be with you. And then he goes on to say the sign eventually will be that I will indeed bring you out of Egypt right back to this mountain to worship me. Because this wasn't about who Moses was or how he was insufficient. No, God lifts Moses' gaze from himself and his unworthiness to look to God and how he would bring him through. And that's what God wants us to do too. And it's what he leads us to. To look away from ourselves and our sin and look to him who is the one who does make us adequate, who does give us strength, who, the one who says to us, I am with you always, and I too will bring you through. So who is he? This one whose presence makes all the difference. Because Moses is keenly aware that he's not going to be able to rely on his reputation as a known murderer when he goes to the Israelites. And really, he's starting to wonder about this because if he comes bursting on the scene and claiming that, hey, your God sent me to lead you away from these people that have oppressed you for years, he's kind of thinking maybe they won't believe him. And he starts, you see how he's starting to to think of excuses as to why he can't do this. And so he asks God, what do I say? Especially if they ask things like, what is his name? What shall I tell them? And God replies emphatically, I am who I am. He is God. And in this plan, and yes, even through you, Moses, I will show you that that is exactly who I am, the eternal God who's been with their fathers and who will be with them. Say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. 
the one who has always been with them and will now be with them as they leave their enemies and oppressors. And God gives them even one more name. Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. You see, this isn't about Moses, like we said. This isn't about the ways he's insufficient or even sufficient. Moses is simply to point to God and proclaim who he is. And isn't that about what being a minister of the gospel is all about? Pointing to him? And in fact, when we look at God, it helps us all to rethink how we look at ourselves. Now it's no longer looking at ourselves and saying, I, I am far too unworthy for God to ever be able to use me for anything. No. Now we look to ourselves and we say, wow, even though I'm so unworthy, God is so amazing and so good that he does use me to do amazing things. He does use you. And that's how God would have us look. Because it's not about us, but it's about him. And what an example Moses would be as he does go back to these Israelites as a former murderer and an outcast. And yet God did use him to carry out his plan to lead the Israelites out. What an example Paul would be, this former persecutor, this one who calls himself the chief of sinners, And he explains how God used him. He said that Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. And what an example Matthew would be to people. That it's not about your history or your social status, but about he who calls you. Every one of these ministers would be a living example of the grace of God. That's not about who we are, but about who he is. The grace that has been working his good plan through sinful people for generations, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Moses to Matthew to Paul to John Scharf to your current vicar and even the next and the next. And even you. As you too get to share how God has made the broken whole. And as you get to do what God's placed in front of you, as you carry out his good plan, as you use your gifts and talents to his service, this is how God would have it be. That his ministry, that his, his witness, his witness is be people who know the full extent of their own sin, but then the full extent of God's mercy. Because think about it. That, that makes the message more real, doesn't it? We've all seen those fake customer testimonials before where it's pretty obvious that they just paid an actor to, to smile and say, oh yeah, this medicine was amazing. It really changed my life. I mean, picture for a moment, you do have some new and amazing medicine that's supposed to change lives, and then their spokesperson for it is some bodybuilder in peak shape who says, oh, I'd, yeah, I'd be nowhere without this medicine. Y- you start to wonder, I don't know. I mean, that guy seems kind of like the epitome of good health. 
Could it have maybe been the strength of the man instead of the medicine? No, commercials like that or, or companies, that they know to show you people who were truly changed by this medication. People who would be so lost and so weak without it. Because then you know it's not the strength of the person, but the power of the medicine. That's what witnesses for Christ get to be. We get to show people that God takes what is so broken and weak without him and makes it whole, makes them whole. God looks at us and our unworthiness and the sickness of our sin and he saves us, he rescues us through Christ. And now we simply get to share it. That's what Paul was, that's what Matthew was, that's what Moses was. We would all be lost and hostile to God without him and yet we get to share that it's not about who we are, but who he is. And that will continue to be proclaimed from generation to generation. Look how the Lord ends this. This is to be my name forever. The name to which I am to be remembered, or the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. This morning we give thanks to God for all of the ministers, the pastors, the teachers who have reminded us of that truth, who have been an example, a living example of that truth for us all. And the faithful God throughout every generation reminds people that, yeah, it's not about you, but me and my mercy for you. So that means that when we look even at the next generation, the one where we're really tempted to say, oh, that one, I think they might screw it all up. They, they're not going to be worthy of this. I mean, they're going to plummet our nation. They're, they're going to forget all about church. That sure seems to be what the statistics say. They, they must not be worthy. And yeah, you're right. They're not. Just like every other generation before of sinners not worthy of this calling. But God will continue to do what he always does. Calling unworthy people to be his own. To share how he saves sinners. And he won't stop. Moses went on to have a lot more excuses. To the point of angering God. But yet God used him. He used him to, to just simply proclaim what God said, that he saw his people suffering and he was doing something about it. And now I stand before you today to tell you, God has seen your suffering. He's seen the slavery to sin that you face, the oppression from the world and from the devil, and he did something about it. He sent Christ to rescue you and bring you to the promised land of heaven. Take it from me, an unworthy servant whom God has called, and he's called you too, to be his, his own dear child. So when we ask, who am I? We can say, yeah, I'm a sinner unworthy of this calling, unworthy to even be God's child. But who is he? The great I am. 
the one who was, who is, and is to come, the one whose mercy has lasted throughout the generations, and the one who's made me his own. So that now your who am I is God's dear child. Because who is he? The compassionate and gracious God from generation to generation who chose you in Christ. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding guards your hearts and minds in the true faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.